Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Favorite Show, the podcast where we talk about our favorite things. Every week, we'll pick a different topic to discuss, and since best can be subjective, we talk about the things that are our favorites. My name's Aaron. Sean here. And I'm Shannon. And joining us is... Nolan. Yay! Hey. Back. Hello. Welcome back, Nolan. With Nolan as the guest, I think most people can guess what the topic is going to be, <laughs> but we'll get there in a second. <laughs> Before we jump in, we have a couple of emails. Uh, first email is from Catherine. Catherine, always good to hear from you. I feel like I say that every time, but I mean it. Um, she says, Happy New Year, favorite friends. It's so hard to narrow down your favorite Disney animated movie. If asked, I would probably rattle off Sleeping Beauty, Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, and Aladdin. But there's one movie that holds a very special place in my heart. Oliver and Company. I fell in love with this movie when I saw it in the theaters when it came out. I love the songs. I love the story revolving around dogs and cats and the song Good Company I used to sing to my cat. That is so nice. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Other movies I love are Sword in the Stone, Great Mouse Detective, Robin Hood, Rescuers Down Under. Okay, I'm going to stop now or I'll go on forever. (laughs) Can't wait for next week's show, Catherine. Catherine, thanks for for writing in. Oliver and Company is good. It doesn't doesn't get a lot of love because I feel like it was in that weird, like, you know, like, that, that era of like late 70s, early 80s when they were Disney was trying to figure out what they were doing. But that's a good one. It's a really good one. It is. Once again, you said it, and my brain starts singing the songs from it, <laughs> which Disney would not be happy about. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then our next email is from husband of Shannon, friend of the show, Alex. And Alex... Bless your heart, Alex. We were we were recording last week, and uh, as we were getting started, Shannon was like, oh, Alex keeps forgetting to, to email in. I was like, it's not too late. We recorded the whole episode, and as we were, like, done, like, we were ready to hit stop on the record, Shannon goes, Alex, or, or she was like, he sent his email, and I looked down, and it had just popped up in my, in my <laughs> phone here, and I was like, well, we'll read it next week. Actually, it works out really well. So Alex says, hey, favorite showcast. It's been a minute, but I had to weigh in to my favorites of 2022 episode with my favorite video games of 2022. First off, the game that won the Game of the Year award, Elden Ring. This was not the first uh, hit it, oh, oh, names. Um, this was not my first hit it, Miyazaki. Am I saying that right? Sure. Uh, it's not the first one of his I've played, uh, but it was the first that I put a lot of time into and is my favorite. It's a very fun RPG with a beautiful world, but can be very challenging. Uh, my favorite game of 2022 was God of War Ragnarok, a sequel to the 2018 game, which is technically the eighth game in the God of War series, but the last two have been absolutely the best. Very fun game with a fantastic story, some very great characters. I even know a voice actor from the game. <coughs> Stephanie. <coughs> um, <laughs> I already beat the game, and I'm going back through to get 100% of the trophies and collectibles. Good for you, sir. Close second was a sequel to Horizon Zero Dawn, a 2017 game, Horizon Forbidden West. Such a gorgeous game. The world is magnificent, the robots are violently scary, but beautiful creations, and this sequel added more traversal options and a huge world to roam around. These games have real-world areas like the Golden Gate Bridge, Bryce Canyon National Park, and Las Vegas, but set a thousand years in the future in a post-apocalyptic setting. Stray was an amazing game with a unique story and gameplay. It's a short playthrough that will make you cry, but 110% worth your time and money. You play as an adorable cat, and you can interact with the world like a cat would. Cult of the Lamb was wildly fun with Animal Crossing feeling, yet similar kawaii artwork, but is a little twisted. You're a little lamb who is a cult leader and avatar for a savage-looking god. It has fun village building and also rogue-style gameplay. Those are my favorites and will be recommendations for anyone who enjoys video games. Keep up the great content, Alex. Thanks, Alex. Thanks, Alex. Now you can start writing an email while we record this week. (laughs) That's right. Hurry. (laughs) Hurry, you can do it. He is sitting in our armchair playing the Switch right now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this just keeps getting more and more appropriate. So with Nolan joining us, you could guess our topic this week is our favorite Nintendo Switch games. So we're we're rounding it out. We've gone through all of the Nintendo consoles and we're getting to the current one. Uh, Well, actually, I should say we haven't done Game Boy. We'll, We'll probably circle back to that at some point. But Nintendo consoles were 
we're we're rounding it out with a Nintendo Switch. And uh, I don't know about you guys. I think the Switch is incredible. I yeah. I personally feel like it is maybe the best Nintendo console ever. And I think part of that for me is because of the versatility of it. It does so much. So the Nintendo Switch is a hybrid video game console uh, that came out in uh, March of 2017. It's a hybrid console, meaning it can be docked to be used as a, co- a home console connected to a TV, or it can be used as a portable device, making it hybrid. Um, it's essentially a tablet that has the capacity to plug controllers into the side. So with the controllers plugged in and the built-in screen at being a tablet, it's, a, it's completely mobile. The controllers are another extension of uh we, we talked about kind of the evolution of nintendo controllers and how uh like with the wii all of this motion and all of this all this stuff the the joy cons is what they call the controllers for the switch they have analog stick they have buttons and all that sort of thing it, when they're plugged in side by side they look like a, a modern game controller but they have all of the motion all of the feedback all of the stuff that a that a wii remote had so you can use them in the same setting or the same functions uh motion wise as you would use a wii remote which is pretty cool uh the console features online play it also supports local area play with other switch consoles the games can be either downloaded or you can get games on cartridges. We're back to cartridges, and I love that. <laughs> Nintendo has a rich heritage of cartridges, yes. and I'm I'm here for it. But yeah, that, so that's the Switch. Uh, in 2019, Nintendo came out with a uh, handheld-only version called the Switch Lite, where the controllers are basically built into the screen, so it, you can't dock it to the TV. It's, it's, it's uh, handheld-only. And then in 2021, they came out with a version that has an upgraded screen built in, the OLED version, and uh, I think all of us in the family have a switch is that right yeah i yes. think so yeah all of us siblings at least have one. at least one at least yes, one that's yeah. right <laughs> some of you guys have multiples which is pretty cool you say pretty cool i was like or a, a bit much we have two there's two people in our family no and it makes sense you have multiple people in your family we are a household of two and we have two switches well you know it's great speaking speaking of sales and owning more than one this is appropriate timing because in december it was just announced that the switch had sold 119 million units which made it past the ps4 and past the game boy it is now the third best-selling console in history uh behind the the nintendo ds and the PS2. Wow. But here's, this is really interesting. So the Switch is an eighth-generation console, meaning it, it, it competed directly with the PlayStation 4, the Xbox uh, the Xbox One. Can we all yeah. agree that Xbox does not know how to name their consoles? Very no, confusing. Bad job. Do better. Agreed. PlayStation has the uh, yeah, has the easiest. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, PlayStation uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. You're great. Um, but so it, it competes with those, with those eighth-generation consoles as well as it's competing with uh, the PS5 and the Xbox, whatever the current thing is um these ninth generation advanced uh consoles but the the switch they they expected to sell uh, in, in, in its first year nintendo expected to sell about 2 million they sold over 14 million which is actually more than the entire length of the wii u production um wow. but yeah it's it's a hugely successful console and uh a lot of those uh popular a lot of the popularity of it is tied to these incredibly popular first party games developed by nintendo like uh legend of zelda breath of the wild mario kart 8 super mario odyssey super smash brothers ultimate etc one of the other things that's really cool about the switch though is that 
because it they they were trying to learn some lessons from the Wii U in in that they were trying to expand and include more games from other developers especially with the with the shop they 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 built the switch in a way that it was easy for third party developers to make games and so like you know every 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 console has their their you know, unique to them things, right? Halo is an Xbox exclusive. Obviously, Mario Kart's a Nintendo exclusive. Like, everybody has their exclusive stuff. But there are developers that make games for multiple systems. And for a long time, it felt like there were these big titles that would come out for PlayStation, Xbox, and PC and skip Nintendo. And now we're getting a lot more big, cool stuff coming to the Switch as well. And we're getting ports of games that came out on PS3, PS4, etc., coming to the switch uh you know maybe a few years later or even a year or two later and so it's it's huge anybody want to guess how many games are on the nintendo switch eShop? oh Ooh. so many i sat and scrolled through them during their indie sale just like a week ago <laughs> they nintendo was hoping to have at least 100 titles uh by the end of the first year they had well over 400 Ugh. currently there are four thousand four hundred sixty-six oh, games available wow. on the Wii uh, or on the on the Nintendo Switch wow. eShop, that's uh, wow. and I'm sure there are more coming all the time. So that that includes Nintendo exclusive games, third-party developers, ports from other systems, and so many great indie games that people have developed for the Switch. You so, know, yeah. there's there's ports not only from other consoles, but sometimes there's mobile games because the Switch does have a touch screen as well, and it oh, yeah. you know like oh yeah right. I've seen games that are you know popular mobile games for the iPhone or the Android that sometimes turn up on Switch as well. Yeah, that's true. I've seen that. Well, all of that is to say the Switch is a great console. I would have to say it's possibly my favorite of all of them, which is saying something because the nostalgia is so real for all of these older systems that we played. But the Switch just has everything. I feel like the Switch has a little bit of all of it, which makes yeah. it fantastic. Well, and that they've got with a Nintendo Switch Online membership that you can play all these old games as well that they've got from all these old systems. And that has been incredibly fun to be able to go back and play those. And some of them... You know, I played through some, like, I think it's the original Legend of Zelda game. And being able to pause and go back, like, five minutes when I died <laughs> was really great. Oh, that would be really nice. Yeah, drum- jumping in a hole. <laughs> it's literally oh, yeah. a game changer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been talking for too long. Who wants to jump in with one of their favorite games? I, I know there's a couple that we're all going to want to talk about, but I'm curious beyond those handful what everyone's gonna have to say who wants to jump in i have one that i think that i think nolan will agree with me on and that is a little game called super mario bros 35 yes i have it on my list was amazing i have it on my list i didn't know anybody else would talk about it nobody was good at that game like you and nolan (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I played that for a long time. Uh, Nolan, how yes. about how about you? You talked through that one. I just oh. I was so excited as I looked through my games. I've actually refused to uninstall it, but you'll understand yes. why. <laughs> me, me too. I I still have it on my <laughs> Switch. So so this game was released for the 35th anniversary of Mario of of Super Mario Brothers, and it's an online competitive multiplayer game it's it's just (laughs) straight up super mario brothers the levels from super mario brothers but you are playing simultaneously with 35 other people that you're paired up with and when you defeat say a goomba or a turtle it will pop onto some other player's screen and so they just kind of multiply and 
people out of the, your 35 players die and drop out and the remaining people just keep fighting it out and running through the levels and trying to avoid enemies. And, and so it just has an incredible chaos. Like, I'm sure the original yes. Nintendo could not have actually drawn five Goombas simultaneously without <laughs> slowing true. down. Yeah. But, but suddenly you have like 20 or, right. you know, the five these. Bowsers and the fire going everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. When you start to get like Hammer Brothers and Bowsers and like all these guys. Yeah. It, so it was, it was insane. They have a couple little modifications from the controls, but more or less it is a faithful Super Mario. Mario Brothers with this chaotic twist and and I loved it. I played it so much. It was incredible and I never got that high up in my finishing like I never did that great but you who who here won a round oh I won who here won <laughs> multiple rounds yeah, I, I, yeah I, I won some I don't think I won as many as Nolan I never won a round I, I, I played a few times I'm like oh this is fun this is crazy and fun and then one day we were at your house Nolan and you were like oh yeah I'll, be, I'll, I'll we'll play a round and I watched you and it was insane it was so mesmerizing watching you play it was like you know in The Wizard <laughs> when like <laughs> <laughs> the wizard is like, the kid is like uh, just on the next level. It was like that watching you play. It was so cool. Well, it's like 35 years of experience for me personally. Like that was my my first game. And, you know, it came with the original Nintendo. I have so many hours and, and it keeps getting re-released, right? And so I've right. played it again and again on other systems. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Well, and it was so so basic at the surface but there was more to it like you could actually decide where to send the 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 goombas and the hammer bros and stuff like that if you wanted to send it to a player that was in the lead or a random player or one that was almost ready to get knocked off because there was also this aspect of time and so you couldn't just stand there and survive to try it out so you had to end up running and so you're just this mad dash and Oh man, the the euphoria and and like the serotonin release when you win one of those was like amazing. It was like, well, I just, well, yeah. I wouldn't know. <laughs> I, I wouldn't know either. <laughs> it starts easy, but it gets chaotic very quickly. Yes. And the, and another element was that it unlocked levels as you played more, and so yes, you know, later on, like yeah, I was always picking. I was trying to pick like what's a hard level, but not the last World Eight. Everybody plays World Eight because you warp. <laughs> to it i'm gonna pick world yeah. seven because that's that's yeah. more obscure and challenging <laughs> and i didn't play the original on the original nintendo that much but i played through i believe all of the nes mario brothers including the lost levels when it was re-released for the super nintendo and and so i think that was my training for it uh, uh-huh. <laughs> unfortunately though it was part of the 35th anniversary as a limited time event and so so you can no longer play it. And as I mentioned at the beginning, I leave it installed. I open it from time to time so that they'll get the log on their servers saying that people are still trying to access it. <laughs> oh, that's I smart. I should do that. It probably doesn't do anything. It probably just goes to nowhere. But I would. I certainly hope that that makes a return at some point. I, I thought it was just, it was phenomenal. Yeah, I want them, I, you know, they did 
Tetris 99 earlier, which which was pretty popular. So I think that was the inspiration. I hope they do more. I, I think it would be really fun to have some crazy Zelda 35 or, oh, you know, wow, whatever yeah. whatever form. <laughs> yeah. That would be nuts. Even Donkey Kong, right? That's hard enough. I can yeah. Really yeah. beat the first level, right? Yeah. Oh, man. Fantastic. Who else has got something? Shannon, you want to go? Well, sure. Well, I was going through. I made a list of ones that are Nintendo originals as well as separated them from the indie games so starting in with one near and dear to my heart is the number two best-selling game for the switch selling 40 million copies is animal crossing new horizons yes i think that has a special place in all of our hearts and probably many people around the world which came (laughs) out perfect pandemic game (laughs) yes came out in march of 2020 and i mean obviously the pandemic was not a good thing but nintendo couldn't have planned that better (laughs) Oh, if they tried. Right. It was perfect. This virtual outdoor and indoor and social yes. experience mm-hmm. of interacting with well, others. And it's interesting reading about it because, you know, it has so much acclaim from critics and things because, you know, it is just a fun game as is. It's a great game. But the fact that with that timing, it was used for social interactions all over the place that like people had virtual weddings and we did a graduation ceremony for Alex that like we did like a graduation party that we all got together on our island there was political campaigning that had happened like (laughs) there was so much that happened on that game and for us it's definitely fond core memories of like time not really existing so we were up until like 3 a.m sending marco polos back and forth with you aaron and like Mm -hmm. oh we're catching tarantulas again and like going over to nolan's (laughs) island because you guys got the game right away i had never been into animal crossing games before so it took me a bit to get into it which realizing after i got it that we were lucky to get it when we did because copies were selling out everywhere and when we do have a physical copy and so, yeah, we got into it and it was like, oh, let's go to Nolan's Island and get some inspiration because his island looks so good because <laughs> you were a month or so ahead of us. And we were like, oh, this is what it could look like. This is amazing. <laughs> so, yeah. yes, very fond memories with that game. And, you know, another bonus, too, of it coming out when it did is that uh, Animal Crossing is a time of day game, right? So yes. unless you're changing the settings on your on your Switch, if you log in at, you know, 4 o'clock, p.m. It's four o'clock p.m. on your island, right? If daytime is daytime, nighttime is nighttime. So, of course, when we all had nothing to do, we could just be on it all the time and see all these times a day, you know, as opposed to, you know, if you if it came out just in normal times and you only play it in the evening when you get home from work or school or whatever, you know, we could we could see it at all these other times of day, of middle of the day or middle of the night or whatever. It was it was a lot of fun. Yes, and let the music be like, oh no, is that the 1 a.m. song? <laughs> Which is terrible to admit, but the 5 a.m. song is my favorite. <laughs> it is pretty lovely, actually. <laughs> wow. I, I remember the first time I heard all of them because I was, I, I forget the situation, but I, I had stayed up all night just playing on the Switch. And yeah, I started, I was like, oh, like the music is changing. Like the 2 a.m. was like really peaceful. The 3 a.m. was like wonky. It was like, yeah. you could tell the music was making fun of you. Like, come on, you're still up <laughs> playing this game. You know, it's like really silly music. But man, what a game. And for anybody who doesn't know Animal Crossing is uh, the the 
the point of the game is that you you get this island. It's like your vacation island um, that the Tom Nook, the uh, you know entrepreneurial uh, little Tanuki dude, uh, invites you to the island, and you basically just do whatever you want on the island. You you gather um, supplies. You can you can plant crops. You can you know plant and chop down trees. You can use all these things to buy and sell items. You can build a house. You can go fishing. You can catch bugs. You can. There's so many things that you can do on in this game and kind of just do whatever you feel like. If you love catching bugs, catch lots of bugs. If you want to go fishing, you go fishing. If you want to plant crops, if you want, like whatever you want to do, it's very much a game that doesn't have like a bad guy, unless it's that, you know, those Um. loans that Tom Nook (laughs) gives you, um, you know, insane amount of bells for those houses anyway. uh, But like, there's no, there's right. There's no like, aside from like achievements, there's not necessarily like these quests. There's not an end guy. There's not levels. It's like, you just play to hang out and have fun. And, uh, I will admit, so the switch keeps track of how long you've played games, like how many hours you've put into them, which is cool. And also scary. I will say as of the day we're recording this right now, I have 1,105 hours (laughs) logged in Animal Crossing. I think that is more than I, (laughs) it might be the most. I I think that is the most. (laughs) Uh, You've got more bells than anybody. That's yeah. We had set this. <laughs> I shouldn't admit I have this. a billionaire. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We uh, had set the parental controls on our Switch to give us alerts, so I wouldn't spend more than an hour or so playing Switch when I should be doing work or something productive <laughs> with my time. So that happened right before the pandemic, and so then we were able to get a log every day of how many hours we put in. And there were a couple of days that it was legitimately. I woke up. I put in like an hour at work teaching online, and then I played Animal Crossing for the rest of the day. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. It's fantastic. And it's such a wholesome game, really. I mean, you know, when people sometimes are negative about, oh, video games, and they just take people away from the real world, and they're violent and whatever, like, Animal Crossing is a perfect example of, like, you plant flowers and you're going to donate to a museum. Like these are the things right. you're going to, you're going to learn about some bugs and then, Oh, you can play with your sibling who lives in another state and like go run around together. <laughs> we talked yeah. about it in our bug episode. We, we legit learned about some bugs from animal crossing. <laughs> like I remember we went to, uh, we went to the, I think it was the long beach aquarium and they had some, some amount of bugs on exhibit and they had this moth. And I was like, Hey, I know that from animal crossing. And the description matched what, Blathers had told me, and I was like, oh, Blathers knew. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the other characters, they just want to be your friend. They want to, like, give you stuff and, like, hang out. Like, that's all the game is, yeah. right? Yeah. Even, even Tom Nook, he he doesn't charge you interest. He's not too mean with his loan. It's just... <laughs> that's true. He, ne- he never forecloses. He just wants his right. bells, but, like, he's, he's a nice enough guy, so... <laughs> it even created some cool online communities. There were different yeah. little websites and things that popped up where you could go and trade with other people or or different things like that because not only was it time of day but it was time of year and so there were things like people who got in early and got these spring blooming petals on the trees right for example that people really wanted those later oh, or yeah. there were there were easter egg for 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 Easter, right? And and different yeah. things like that that were just cool. So the game actually changes all year round. Yeah. Or if you if you connect with somebody that lives in the southern hemisphere, they have an opposite season, so they actually have, you know, yeah. access to different things too. Yeah. I connected with a lot of people over Reddit because 
I am a completion completionist and I needed to breed all of the different colors of flowers in the game. And so there were a lot of communities that they were like, oh yeah, if you want a single blue rose, it's going to cost you five Nook Mile tickets and a thousand bells or whatever. And so then there were a couple of communities that were like, no, that's dumb. I have a surplus of flowers. Please come get them. <laughs> and so I joined a lot of communities that was like giving away stuff and oh, you're just starting the game here. Have a million bells to start off. Like, welcome to the game. And the people are yeah. so nice. Like in real life, even of like, oh, what do you need? I got you. Honestly, that was one of my favorite things because I I did like go a little nuts with the turnip exchange and selling the turnips and and, uh, getting lots of bells. But then, yeah, there were still people who were like coming to the game very late. And of course I had, you know, more bells than I could ever use. And so people would come, I'd be like, one of those things of like, you know, trading a flower, trading something like that. And I'd be like, oh, and here, have have this as well. And I'd like drop a million bells on their island and then (laughs) quickly get out, you know. (laughs) <laughs> I love that's doing fun. that. It was so well, much that fun. That was so fun doing it for Kristen, too, that she started a little after us. Yeah, that's true. You and me both, like, we'd go over and, like, there were a couple times I remember she texted that, like, I finished a bridge project or something for her. I was like, oh, yeah, you're welcome. I just wanted to pay it off. Yeah. Like, I've got all these bells. Let me throw them at you. <laughs> oh, it was great. What a game. What a great game. Uh, let's see. What else? Here, I got I got one. Uh, one of my favorite Switch games, and, and honestly, one of my favorite games of all time for any system any, anywhere ever, is Mario Kart 8. And we've actually talked about this a little bit before. Uh, Mario Kart 8 actually came out in 2014 for the Wii U. I didn't have a Wii U. When the Switch came out, uh, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Uh, it was an expanded re-release uh, that came out for the Switch. It had some uh, revamped battle mode with with more sub modes for the for the battle, which was one criticism that the Wii U version uh, had. I think it included the DLC for Wii U out of the box. Yeah, absolutely. It has 48 tracks built in, and now has a, a, a the booster course pass, which is an additional 48 tracks that are com- continuously coming out uh, until the end of I believe this the end by the end of this year. So it'll have 96 tracks available to race. Wow. It sold over 48 million units according to Wikipedia. Uh, it's the best-selling Switch game and one of the best-selling video games of all time, of all video games. I think it's probably, it's one of my favorite games ever, and I actually regularly see this pop up on people's lists of best racing games, uh, best party game, best, you know, game to play with friends. And and I, I feel like the thing that Mario Kart 8 Deluxe has added, in addition to all the fun tracks and, and the graphics and stuff, is you have all these other modes of play, too. You have the Grand Prix modes where you're racing, you have the battle modes, um, you have the online racing, you have the online battles, you have the local, uh, if you have, you know, a couple people in the same room with switches, you can connect them locally. You can, you can have battles and races and stuff with like, we just did this the other day of like, there were eight of us, right? That were racing yeah. online together. Across three time zones. It was incredible. So anyway, I, it's a, it's a fantastic game. And, uh, I, I, we've talked in previous episodes. I, I was a, a Mario Kart King on the original and on 64. And then I lost my title when we got into you know, like the, the, the double dash era and that sort of thing. I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm back on top. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you did it. You were racing really well. I've actually, and they, that's another fun thing about the online component is, uh, Nintendo will once in a while do these global tournaments and, uh, you know, I'm not like a global champion by any means, but I have won races, you know, which is, which is saying something, I think. So, so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm proud of that, <laughs> but yeah, that's what definitely one of my favorite games and, uh, a fun one, a fun one to play by yourself and fun one to play with, uh, with a group of friends. So yeah. Oh, yeah. Mario Kart is great. 
I think for all levels of yes. experience, you know, of gamerness, right? Like you can be a really intense gamer. You can be like a brand new. In fact, for kids, there's even like a sort of an auto steer help help drive the car. Oh, yeah, you yeah know, there's mode. driver assists in, in it and stuff, which is fun. right. And and another thing about Mario Kart is it's very good at weighing the items so that the people that are bad get better items than the people that are good. <laughs> so true. so if you're good, you can still win, but it's going to be more of a challenge, which is more fun for everybody, right? It's it's just a really great game all around. Yeah, you don't have people in like second place getting spiny shells. Those are, those are the people way in the back. And if you're in the front, you're going to get so sick of getting coins for your items because that's all you're going to get. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, even my six-year-old, she, she'll... We'll be playing, and and she has most of the automatic driving enabled. But she loves when she can splat ink on the screen oh, virtually yeah. to make it hard <laughs> for me to see, or use a lightning bolt to shrink me into a tiny driver. Or it's kind of fun when we did teams that even if she's in eighth place out of eight people, that she can actually affect the outcome of the entire race just because of how the items yeah. are. So keeps it fun for everybody. Yes. Yeah. I've definitely played a lot of Mario Kart 8 with Eilie, and when she was younger, she used a lot more of the driver assists. I don't think she uses much of them now, um, no. but she's definitely one. I can't remember if I've talked about this before, but you can you can do a custom number of races in your Grand Prix. The the standard for all these all these games has been four, um, so now you can do custom numbers, including all 48. Um, I don't know if they're going to let you do all 96 when they're all together, oh, but could you, you, imagine? Can, you can at least do all 48 of the original tracks or of the new ones. It takes a while, but Eileen and I definitely did that. There was one time uh, Gracie and Eileen were having a, I can't remember if we were just babysitting them or if they were having a sleepover with us, but they were over at our house and Gracie and Stephanie were doing something and Eileen and I were like, hey, I think it's time. Let's do the 48 track <laughs> Grand Prix. And it literally was like three and a half hours for us to race all of the races in a row, but we did it and it was great. What else we got? Nolan, you want to jump in with one? Sure. Well, I'll talk about one that has been talked about a great deal in terms of Switch games and that, in games in general, and that's The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. So this is one of the most highly acclaimed games of all time by critics. It was a launch title for the Switch. It also came out for the Wii U. They've done this before with Zelda, where a game is released on the cusp of a new system, and so it comes with the brand new console and also for the prior one. But it is... You know, it's it is a great Zelda game in a lot of the tradition, but also a real departure in some ways, or a, a return, you could say, in, to the original Zelda. And you know, we talked a little bit about the original Zelda on the NES, and you just sort of wander the land, and you can go anywhere, and you can do anything. And I feel like a little of that is maybe the limitations of the time that you know. They did not have a lot of non-player characters giving you a lot of dialogue, for example. But there was a sense of freedom that you could just wander in all directions and go anywhere. And this game is very much that way, where where some of the Zelda games had started to get a little more linear, where, yeah, you could see this thing in the distance, but you couldn't go there because you had to earn some item to be able to traverse this river or to, you know, endure the heat of the volcano or whatever. And Breath of the Wild is constructed in a way that you could go anywhere after you complete this first little introduction. You could go to parts where it's going to be very difficult to survive, but 
now that the game's been out a while, there are people that will speed run and they'll just <laughs> run through and you can go anywhere. And um, it's massive. It's such a huge game in scope, uh, but it doesn't feel empty like like say a you know a Minecraft world that hasn't really been built yet. It feels like it's been designed and carefully thought out, and um, you know it's this whole world for you to explore and and interact with. Um, what else? What else is there to say? Uh, I I think the physics are really good. The way that items can interact with the world around you in uh, all kinds of ways. You know, like like. The way that bombs will roll down a hill and explode or an item that can freeze time or an item that can, um, you know, whatever. All these things can be used because it's such an open world. You can use them in ways to solve puzzles that maybe weren't even the intent of the creators of the game. But it's not against the rules either, right? Like if you can defeat an enemy any way, you can defeat an enemy. Right. It's a beautiful game. And in in typical Zelda fashion or tradition, I'm, I'm not that good at Zelda games. And I used to love sitting and watching you guys play them. And I definitely watched, you know, Nolan and Teresa. I watched you guys play it a fair amount. But, you know, I... I don't live with you guys anymore. And so living when we all live together, I'd sit and watch you guys play games. And now that we're separate, um, I found myself watching a lot of Twitch streamers playing this game just so I could kind of get that fix of like seeing the beautiful world and seeing like getting the story and stuff. Cause it's such a cool game. Well, and what other Zelda game can you own a house and go like basically snowboarding and do just all these, these, different things. I, I don't know. I was curious, Shannon, if you knew, cause I, I know that your husband, Alex went and actually got every single shrine is what they're called. These little challenges. And uh, how many are there? There were like hundreds of them, aren't There's, there? There's, Oh, I don't remember. I, I did that too. We, again, oh, did? Wow. we are completionists in our house <laughs> and breath of the wild is a hard game to be a completionist on, but we've almost done it separately <laughs> alex has played through that game twice on the regular mode once on the master mode where the bad guys there's an extra tier up of difficulty and they auto heal if you oh don't like kill them fast enough and then there's like floating platforms everywhere that now there's bad guys in the air trying to kill you and it's a lot but yeah the shrines we both got all of the shrines what we did not get all of are the korok seeds because there are three <laughs> Hundred throughout the game, oh four hundred. I don't know, several hundred. It is a massive game. Oh. It's so huge, and that is the one thing I did end up downloading um, a free Breath of the Wild map that has like the locations of everything in game in this app, just so like not to look up where the Koroks would be, but so I could check them off as I got them because otherwise there's no way for me to ever be able to tell which ones I have gotten and which ones I have not. The internet says there are 900 Koroks. 900? <laughs> oh my wow. Goodness. You got your work cut out That's for you. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Nolan says 900. Sorry, Alex, like I said, is sitting across from me playing Switch. <laughs> the internet says 900. The internet. Alex, get yes. to work. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, the shrine. So I want to say there's like 120 maybe. And it was still a lot. But yeah, that was. There's lots of funny memes that like the game begins that Zelda is begging you to wake up and to come rescue her and rescue Hyrule. And that instead you run around and collect forest spirits and <laughs> do all these things that 
are very much side questy, and there's so many side quests in there, but I do appreciate how the game has them set up that you have a log and you can mark on your map where the person gave it to you, because otherwise you are never going to remember unless you are focused, and that game is perfect for the ADHD people because you go <laughs> and you are trying to finish a side quest, but then you find a shrine, and then you find a Korok, and then you remember the side quest, and where was the side quest? And <laughs> yeah, the, the map is very well designed, and the world yes. is so big that one of the basic parts of the game is that there are these towers that you climb up to look around and now see, you know, your map fills in, but also visually you can like see this huge new area that you have come into. Um, And apart from those towers, you could like climb a mountain or climb, you know, whatever thing and like just look around and be like, okay, there's so much where where to next. Well, and I think one thing that I feel like people kind of were divided about was the soundtrack for this game, because we've talked about video game themes and the music and how Zelda, especially Ocarina of Time, just has some of the best music. And Breath of the Wild has very understated music music and I love it. I think it's amazing because if you're really listening carefully to it, you can hear all these little themes and callbacks to all of these other games throughout. And that's just the gameplay itself that, you know, people will find little Easter eggs of here's Lon Lon Ranch from Ocarina of Time. Or when you are listening to a mem or you're watching a memory that you've recovered about the Master Sword, you can hear Fi's theme from Skyward Sword. And like, there's all these little itty bitty things throughout it that are so fun. And I feel like I'm still finding stuff here and there throughout the game. But yeah. That's awesome. What a fantastic game. Yes. What else we got? Sean, you want to jump in? Yeah, I'll, I'll go with a, an indie game called Boomerang Foo. <laughs> it came out in 2020 from the developer and studio known as Cranky Watermelon. Nice. And it is a six-player local local multiplayer game, like couch multiplayer. I don't know how to talk sometimes when I'm on a, behind a microphone. <laughs> but um, basically, you're these funny little characters. You might be... Uh, a fruit, a banana, uh, uh, some hot sauce or an avocado or a, a cup of coffee. And you just run around as a team. You split into teams of two and you throw these little boomerangs at each other on these just on these funny levels. And so that's that's basically the game. Um, you run around and do that. And it is just a lot of fun. Um, the mayhem there. And one of the reasons it makes the a favorite for mine is it is the first well, how should I even say it? My, my six-year-old, I, I enjoy playing some games with her, and she's enjoyed little bits of games along the way, but this was the first one that every night after her sisters went to bed, she's like, can we just play a little boomerang foo? Because <laughs> the rounds are so short, and you, we could be on a team together against these these simple AI computers. Um, I wish I wish it had some online play. I, I thought it was so awesome. I went to see what else Cranky Watermelon has made and they have not made anything else yet. That is their first game. And I think it's, from what I could tell, it seems to be doing pretty well, but there's not a ton of information on it. So hopefully hopefully they, they have some more multiplayer mayhem for us in the future. You know, I feel like, Sean, all of you guys, but Sean more than anybody, I feel like you find the most interesting indie games. Like, yeah. you'll just, like there'll be something interesting that goes on sale in the shop, and you'll be like, oh, this looks cool, and you'll get it. And like I'm, I find out so many cool games through you of like, whoa, what is this 
crazy thing. You're like, oh, I just found this game. <laughs> That's really cool. <laughs> well, they'll do these mega deals to, I think, get some traction or some some publicity. And so I was actually monitoring for a while. And any game that looked remotely interesting that was multiplayer for that would go on sale for under, you know, three dollars or something <laughs> like that, I'd be like, hey, yeah, let's give it a try. Why not? Yeah, that is a good point because a lot of these, you know, big AAA titles, right? A, a Mario Kart Deluxe or Animal Crossing, they're you know, they're 60 bucks or whatever. But there are so many of these cool indie games that are not very expensive to begin with. And yeah, they have these mega sales. Sometimes you can buy these games for like two dollars or three dollars and you know it's fun to be able to find some of these ones especially for especially for that price right like that's less than like a lot of dollar menus at drive throughs now so you know (laughs) yeah and and even brand new i don't actually know how much it is anymore on the e-shop but just looking when i was looking up some information on the steam store it's full price there is 15 dollars right and so and it, it is a more simple game but it's yeah just a lot of fun we played this one when we got together over the summer with with all of our siblings and our kids together and uh and had a lot of fun with this one as well so anyway just a fun really random kind of silly game you know it's the the solace of of dying from from a boomerang hit is that you look really funny like you know an avocado <laughs> your your pit will come rolling out and <laughs> stuff like that <laughs> That's great. See, Sean, you've really taught me. Like I just said a week or two ago, I was scrolling through all the indie games because it was their big sale event. If you want an amazing, very cheap game, it is currently 80% off for a whopping $2 on the eShop, (laughs) is the game Hue, which I think I might have talked about before, but it is such a good game. And Aaron, I think there's a colorblind mode, but it so. is <laughs> it is about just a little guy who is kind of solving this mystery that his mom is leaving him these letters basically and telling her or telling her son about this world that she's seen. And the game starts in black and white and you slowly are unlocking colors as you go. And so you have this color wheel and it's a puzzle game that there will be um, like lasers or spikes or a platform or whatever, and you need to change your color wheel so that you can get through detriments or be able to land on a platform or things like that. And we've talked, I know for sure, about the game Runbow. Oh, which yeah, yeah. is very similar, I think, in feel that you've got these colors that are changing that affect your um, area that you're able to play on. And But this is now the story mode version of that. And they're unrelated games, but they have kind of that same feel, I think. But yeah, it's uh, by Curve Digital is who's published this game. Normally like $10. It was successful enough. There's also an app of the game. But yeah, that was one. I played... All the way through until March of 2020 or April of 2020 when I got Animal Crossing. <laughs> so I didn't <laughs> nice. quite finish it because awesome. then it got eclipsed. But it is a very, very good game. <laughs> nice. I love that. Uh, hopefully, hopefully there's a colorblind mode. <laughs> I could try it out. Yeah, I would more, imagine more that and there more is. games have colorblind modes in them. So it, and I see a difference. So that's cool. Good. One game I want to talk about. Uh, I mentioned before about how now with the Switch, there are more and more games that are being developed for PlayStation and Xbox and Switch that are coming out, you know, very close together and stuff. Uh, this next one uh, is gratefully one of those. It's called The Outer Worlds. It came out in 2019 for uh, PlayStation 4 and Xbox, whatever, and then uh, came out for the Switch in June 2020. So it was not a long wait between the, the release of those. Um, it's an action role-playing game uh, and 
it takes place in uh, an alternate future uh, where there are these mega corporations that have uh, kind of turned into this like hyper corporate class centric society. Um, and a lot of these corporations have started colonizing other planets and other systems. And it takes place in what's called the Halcyon system. There were two ships that were going to go colonize this area. They both left in 2285. Um, one of them made it in their regular 10 years of, you know, hypersleep and, and super speed and whatever. Uh, one of them made it. The other one disappeared and was gone for like almost 100 years uh, until it was stumbled upon by this uh, anarchist guy. And you, your character you play uh, is someone who was on this ship that was lost and are suddenly waking up, uh, uh, you know, 100 years after you were supposed to be there. And it's really, really interesting. It's a fun game. Uh, you get to explore all these really cool alien worlds. Um it, there's all of this interesting play of like, you know, some world, worlds are very underdeveloped. So there's lots of like big nasty aliens you have to deal with, you know, and the towns are a little more like almost, almost like a, you know, Western, uh, you know, wild West, like frontier kind of feel. If you go to more uh, center of the system, you get these big cities. And of course, all the people there are, are rich and snobby and, and, uh, you have to deal with like government and politics and stuff. And there's definitely a lot of elements of like first person shooter, you know, that sort of thing. But there's a lot of like puzzles and a lot of, um, um, you know, you got to talk to this person and then that means you have to talk to that person. And depending on what you say to that person makes how this person reacts and, you know, all these different things. And I know the game has several different endings you can potentially get to depending on what choices you make in the game. So anyway, I thought it was really, really fun. And I'm, I'm just glad it came out for the Switch as well. Uh, I've, I've looked up online some side-by-sides and yes, the PlayStation version, the graphics look much nicer and cleaner than on the Switch, but it's not like the Switch looks bad. Like the Switch looks great. It's just not quite as polished, not quite as high high, you know, graphical, whatever, as the PlayStation version. But the fact is I still get to play it and I don't have to, you know, wait for, you know, years for a port to come out or whatever. And uh, it was really fun. I really enjoyed that game. It's also currently 70% off. Ooh, go get it. <laughs> it's so go. good. I hope these are still on sale when this episode comes out. Or <laughs> oh, no. Right. It says, oh, this one, this one is on sale until January 16th. Wait, when does when does this episode come out? This episode comes out on the 13th, Friday the 13th. Ooh. Oh no. Well, <laughs> to the people who are game. currently listening, it's on sale for now. Yes, get to it. Um Noel, I actually bought a uh, cartridge version and uh, Nolan, I think you have it still. I do <laughs> I, have it. I beat it yes. and I bar- we we traded. <laughs> actually, I have Legend of Zelda and and you have uh, Outer Worlds and yes. we traded That's a while awesome. back. So <laughs> you you can trade with cartridges. I know, isn't yes. that great? Right. I love it. <laughs> Well, um, I'll talk about uh, an indie game briefly. Um, uh, I really enjoyed a game called Celeste. It's a platform game in an 8-bit sort of style for the most part, uh, 2D. And your character named Madeline is climbing a mountain. And um, the game is really, really challenging in an old school 8-bit game sort of way as you're like trying to jump up and, you know, avoid spikes and, you know, get higher and whatever, do all that stuff. Unlike the old games, when you die, you do not revert all the way back to the start of the game or the start of the level. (laughs) So I, I find it to be like really challenging and really satisfying, but also possible right (laughs) like if you remember getting so frustrated at some of these games that you just couldn't do and there are also some modes that allow you to adjust the controls if you still find it challenging on the default controls you can like turn on like an additional double jump or you know adjust adjust the 
life or what whatever, which is really nice. Now, as you as you go through this game, there's some really great level design, some nice varieties. You go to level to level, but there's also a really nice story that your character is climbing this mountain in a metaphorical way as well. That she wants to you know, accomplish this thing that gets alluded to. And, you know, it's clear that she has a lot of self-doubt. She has anxiety and some depression. And this actually gets personified. Your character is Madeline. And then there's a, like, shadow version of you named Badeline. And Badeline, (laughs) Badeline tries to stop you and make trouble. And and so it, you know, as simple as it is in this platforming game, it like actually has a really engaging and touching story as it develops as well. So Celeste, I would, I would definitely recommend Celeste. And this is also a game, I know it goes on sale from time to time, but even at full price, this is probably a $20 game so it is currently on sale it's five dollars up until the 15th okay (laughs) there you go five dollars i may or may not be looking all of these up in the e-shop as we go we're we're giving people incentive to listen to this podcast right when it comes out because if you listen later oh the sale's not going to be on yeah who who knows celeste does go on sale regularly though that is one thing i love about the the shop is you can favorite things and put them in your wish list or whatever Uh and so i regularly will log on to the shop and just check my wish list and be like oh this is on sale but it, it, I bet it's going to go on sale more if I wait till whatever, yeah. you know. So, yeah, I definitely keep my eye on a lot of, a lot of games that way. You know about all the, the story of it. This is one that has been fun to watch um, on Twitch or somewhere where somebody's really good because it's so difficult and they mm-hmm. seem to go through it. Just, you know, the muscle memory or whatever. But, yeah, to, to hear the story, that's really cool. Yeah, yeah the, story, the story mostly occurs between levels, right? But, um, yeah, yeah, it's definitely a, a good game. There have been a lot of really nice feel-good games in that way that are kind of deep as well. Um, There was one that was on my honorable mention, but you made me think of it, called Gris, which the storyline of it, it's just a beautiful game. It's very artistic, but the story is that you're going through the stages of grief. It's beautiful. Definitely cried at the end, but it was a really quick game, (laughs) and it it was cheap and nice and a great playthrough, I thought. Is it on sale? I don't know if it's on sale. <laughs> I better look. Hold on. I'm adding I'm adding so many of these to my wish list right now. <laughs> what what else we got? I got one more I want to talk about briefly and then a, a bunch of honorable mentions. Yeah, I have a lot of honorable mentions. The the last one that I'll talk about briefly is another indie game called Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time. Oh, it's so good. Also Gris is on sale. <laughs> good. There you go. There you have it. Too bad Kristen isn't here. Kristen's kids loved that game, Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time. So good. Well, I'm extra proud now because I'm the one to introduce yeah. them. Oh, great. <laughs> we actually I did invite Kristen to join. She sadly had a had a migraine tonight and wasn't feeling up to it. So, Kristen, we're sorry we missed you. Uh we'll we'll definitely have her back soon. But yeah, we we definitely invited her she she would have had i'm sure a fair amount to to add to this but sorry carry on uh kristen write us an email and or you can just call us because you, you know <laughs> we could do that, that. Too. that's right send us a marco polo <laughs> or text us or whatever or we'll just have you on like in a week or two and you can fill us in there you go <laughs> but it, it's a pretty good feel good game as well you're you're like gathering the love of the universe by rescuing these space bunnies but it's it's just a it's a really fun couch co-op um where you're all in this ship 
And it's not like a ship like you would imagine. It's almost just imagine a circle, right? A 2D circle and in different areas of it, there are different things you have to do in the ship. And so there might be stairs that go up to a, a cannon or some the, the, the pilot seat or whatever um, and stuff like that. And so you end up running around and it gets pretty hectic. And uh, anyway, I thought it was a lot of fun. I think it was actually when Kristen was visiting that she and I, and I'm trying to remember who else. Me. I was definitely you? there. <laughs> okay. That we went through and I think we beat the game. It's yeah. a pretty short game, but it's just uh, again, super fun, very different twist on on uh, like a, a spaceship co-op, right? Yeah. Well, and that was a game that I thought was much harder to play with one or two people. Like having all four people made it a much easier game to play which like it was still it had its very difficult moments but there was a lot of yelling while we were playing no, <laughs> so just beware that's great that's the last one for me i had one last one i was gonna do some details about which is the untitled goose game oh yes i don't know I if you guys played have played it, it. Like, it uh. i saw it and i was like what is this it's the best twenty dollars i've ever spent <laughs> it is such a silly fun game that you play as a goose wanting to instill chaos in this little town (laughs) and like you have all these tasks that you have to do that it will be like get into the garden and so you need to find a way like to turn on the faucet or knock over the rake and get the gardener to come out of his garden so you can get in and then it will check it off your list eventually and it gets to the point that like you have more intense ones that's like scare the little boy in the town or like lock him in the i've got doctor who in my mind the the phone booth i was gonna say police box kristen will appreciate that but (laughs) no yeah you'd like to lock him in the phone booth or to steal like this big thing like break this thing or do that and so you're just causing chaos as this little goose and like all of your buttons are is to like run pick things up and honk and that's <laughs> that's the whole thing. But there's a two-player mode that you're now two geese wreaking extra havoc on the city. And um, so Alex and I played through that game in like a couple hours. And it was so much fun <laughs> for like how simple it was. I just love that, you know, like geese are jerks and someone made a video game out of that. <laughs> like that's the whole premise. They, they are kind of scary. Yeah, they'll, they'll come like, Geese you. are mean. Let's make a game about that. <laughs> yes. Um, the last one I want to uh, mention a little bit of details about real quick is uh, I, I, mentioned, I mentioned that the Switch kind of has a little bit of everything, uh, including uh, ports from other systems uh, that maybe have come out a few years back. This is one of those. It's called Nino Kuni, Wrath of the White Witch. Yes. And it's so good. So this game came out. It was originally called Nino Kuni Dominion of the Dark Jin. It originally was released only in Japan for the Nintendo DS in 2010. So it's been around for a while. Um, it was released in the United States as a PlayStation 3 exclusive in 2013. Um, but it finally came to the Switch as a port um, in 2019. So it's a it's a JRPG and it's uh, really fun, really great. The only reason I ever heard about this game, though, is because I, was hap- I happened to be looking up online stuff about Studio Ghibli. And, of course, they've done their feature films. They've done some short films, uh, you know, that are that are almost all of them are, are exclusively in, you know, the, the Ghibli Museum, which, Nolan, you've been to, which I'm 
insanely jealous about. Mm. Um, but I was looking online. They've done some other different things here and there as a studio, including they did a bunch of stuff for a video game. And I was like, what? There's a Ghibli video game? And so this uh, uh, Nino Kuni, all of the cutscenes are animated by Studio Ghibli, like hand-drawn, you know, like wow. Studio Ghibli animations are all almost all the cutscenes in this game. And the music is composed by Joe Hisaishi. So it's like a Studio Ghibli game. It's amazing. All the characters are based on Studio Ghibli uh, character designs, the whole thing. And I just think it's an incredibly fun game. You, you, you're in a fantasy world. You play as a little boy, Oliver, whose mother just recently died. Um, you know, you know tip, typical, you know, Studio Ghibli anime. They get right to the heart really quick. But you're, you play as this little boy, Oliver, whose mother recently died. And as you're mourning your mom, your little stuffed toy that your mom gave you comes to life. He's this little... Uh, like a, a sprite, a fairy sprite sort of thing named Drippy. And he's got a thick Scottish accent and he's great. Um, and he tells you about there's this like other like fantasy fairy realm that people in the real world have like a, a they call it a soulmate. It's like a, a spiritual bond with somebody who's in this spirit world. And so you go with him to this spirit world and you go on all these adventures trying to, you know, kind of help out and fix what's going on there. And Oliver's just the best little guy, like he only wants to just help everybody and he's really great. But yeah, it's it's beautiful, it's amazing music, it's really wonderful characters, great story. You can, you know, it's not a super long game. It's like a maybe 30-40 hour-ish game with all the side quests included. Um but I think it's great. And again, that's one that goes on sale pretty frequently on the Switch eShop. So uh add that to your list and uh I, I think it's great. Cool. Well, I will cap things off pun intended, with <laughs> Super Mario Odyssey. Yes! Um, <laughs> Super Mario Odyssey, I just smiled constantly playing this game. Like, it is just fun. And, um, you know, in a lot of ways, it feels like Super Mario 64, like a return to, you know, running around 3D levels and doing the platforming. Something I really like about it is the whole mechanic of your cap... Cappy, you can use to basically take over various creatures or even things and play as them. So I I always liked in Mario games when there was some sort of weird thing like the boot. You guys remember the boot in oh, Super yeah. Mario oh, Three? Yeah, yeah. Like that's that was always really fun when there was some <laughs> weird like little thing that you could do for a level and this game is full of that kind of stuff and it's like all sorts of different art styles there's like a very photorealistic looking tyrannosaurus rex that you can play as and just run around and and these characters it's a t-rex but it's got a little mustache and the red mario hat so they look <laughs> a little like mario you can play as a t-rex you can play as uh, a plant at one point you can play as a frog there's all these also classic characters and i just love love the end of the game how could it be anything other than playing as bowser <laughs> when you defeat <laughs> bowser the final thing you do you throw your cap and now you get to be bowser <laughs> and breathe fire and stomp stuff and like go you know through this final level it, it's a lot of fun Another thing they do in the game from time to time, there are these 2D areas where you'll like go into a pipe and you'll be flat on the wall. And it will essentially be Super Mario Brothers. You are the 2D, you know, pixel Mario jumping around, but with new mechanics. I, I also enjoy that they draw you, depending on what clothing you're wearing, you will be a pixel version, old school Mario version, but maybe you'll be wearing cool. a sombrero or something. Um <laughs> 
And even at the end, when you're Bowser, there's a 2D section where, sure enough, you are the old Super Mario Brothers Bowser <laughs> jumping and breathing fire That's and awesome. going through part of the game. It was just consistently made me smile playing this game all the way through. Very well. Very well done. Yeah, I remember seeing you playing and seeing some of these very, very creative, very interesting little like side bits of levels and stuff that were so much fun. What a cool game. Well, I guess with that, maybe we'll wrap it up. We can do a bunch of rapid fire of honorable mentions because there's a lot. I'm sure we all have. But uh, yeah, that's probably just about to wrap it up. Nolan, thanks for joining us. I'm glad that you've been yes. able to be with us for basically all of our video game uh, topics. That's been perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to see about you know if we circle back to Game Boy we'll have you back or or other topics but yeah we'll we'll uh, we'll we'll do it again but yeah I'm glad you could join us thanks as usual we want to hear what you think send us an email at thefavoriteshow at gmail.com. look us up on Instagram at the favorite show podcast let us know your favorite games for the Nintendo Switch there are so many literally thousands so let us know what your favorites are if we talked about them or if there's one of these many many indie games that we just hadn't even heard of or didn't talk about let us know uh, also let us know if you have suggestions for future topics or guests or whatever make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes and we'd love a five-star rating if you like what you hear and uh, if you don't feel like giving us a five-star rating i think the answer is simple you got to play some switch you got to sit down and play some games you know if you want to blow something up to make you feel better but blow something up if you want to go fishing or build a house go fishing and build a house you can do literally anything if you want to get nino cooney because it's on sale 80 <gasps> percent off 80 percent <laughs> off do that <laughs> then you'll feel like giving us five stars <laughs> cool well i guess that'll wrap it up until next week my name's aaron Sean here. And I'm Shannon. And Nolan. Yay! (laughs) Talk to y'all later. Bye. Cue the music. Real quick, before we do our honorable mention rapid fire, I thought this was pretty great. In the Switch Wikipedia entry, there's a section about legal issues. Nintendo had a lawsuit against a, a group called Team Executor, or exec, Executor, I can't know how you say it. Basically, uh, a hack mode that enables Switch users to obtain and run copyright violating copies of Switch games on the console. And I thought this was very appropriate. Uh, after members of the team were arrested and charged with 11 felony counts, Nintendo filed another lawsuit against one of the arrested members named Gary Bowser, <laughs> asserting two counts of trafficking one kind of copyright infringement. So that's great. Oh, dear. Real life bad guy Bowser. Uh. <laughs> Audible mentions Overwatch. I love Overwatch and it's on so many things. Overwatch was online. <laughs> Snipper Clips. Good basic game. That is a oh, good yeah. one. Yeah. Snipper Clips. Uh, port from other sources Skyrim. Oh, yeah. And Portal 1 and Portal 2. Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. I didn't talk about it because it's basically more of the same. <laughs> but so good. Yes. Yeah, if you play one Smash Brothers, you played them all, but they're all excellent. Uh, along those same lines, I was going to say Super Bomberman R. Again, all Bombermans are the same Bomberman, but they're all Bomberman, which is great. <laughs> Jackbox games or the Drawful games. Yeah, yeah. Those are great. Those are fun. Uh, Night in the Woods. Oh, yeah. Cuphead, which has the most beautiful animation and is the hardest dang game I've ever played. <laughs> Mario Party. I actually had never owned Mario Party for a previous system, but the mini games are just too much fun. A game I just got for my birthday, Melatonin, which came out on your birthday, Sean. 
It's a brand new game. Nice. Another port that came from uh, Xbox One called Ori in the Blind Forest. Really, really pretty uh, graphics. And it's the the first of two now that are out. Surprised nobody talked about Switch Sports. Yes. A lot of fun. Mega Man 11 and Metroid Dread and Crypt of the Necrodancer. Yes. Nice. Which is also on sale. (laughs) Uh, It's a game called Everspace. It's an endless 3D shooter. You know how I like my spaceships and whatnot. And a game called Air Conflicts Pacific Carriers. It's a port from PS3. You guys remember Hellcats over the Pacific, right? From our Mm -hmm. old Mac? Yeah. I feel like this captures the vibe of that game with much better graphics. (laughs) Cool. None of us mentioned uh, Goat Simulator. Is that on Switch? Probably. It is. I've never played it, and it looks real stupid, but it makes me laugh when I watch Gracie and Hiley play it. I was going to say, I've seen Hiley playing it. Yes, it is a ridiculous game. (laughs) And none of us mentioned Minecraft. Minecraft. I have had some fun playing Minecraft on the Switch. That's when I realized I was getting old, because I got stuck, and Hiley had to come find me, and Gracie had to rescue me, because I, like, dug down too deep. No, I I totally am a secondary player on Minecraft. I, I follow them around and support them. (laughs) 